The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Dave-O. What a tough way to end the magic carpet ride that was the 2014 season. As the Giants win their third World Series in five years, defeating our Royals 3-2 in Game 7 of the 2014 World Series. It's Davo on your final 2014 season edition of The Dish here on Clubhouse Conversation. And gosh, I mean, what a tough pill to swallow tonight at the K. And there's so much good to talk about. There, the big picture is so bright, so sunny. So much good stuff happened this year. So many great memories. A season for the ages, no doubt. And, I mean, the best part was it introduced a whole new generation to the great game of baseball. And, you know, no doubt created many lifelong Royals fans. Many from this magical summer. And it also brought back a whole generation of baseball fans who were wronged by the Royals so much over the past 29 years. So no doubt the season a complete success, but tonight it does sting. You hate it seeing the Giants celebrate in your home field. I mean, I sat there in disbelief out at the K tonight, you know, and I kind of had a feeling once the eighth inning rolled around, the Royals had six outs left and Madison Bumgarner was dealing, and then when it got down to three outs and did not have a good feeling about it, obviously. And it's tough. It was tough, you know. It took me about five minutes to, to, to say anything to anybody. I just kind of sat there for five minutes in my chair and disbelief and just kind of watched the Giants celebrate and watched the Royals in the dugout, watched the guys walk off the field one final time from the bullpen. It was tough. And I was angry for maybe another, uh, maybe 10 minutes after that. I walked around the K one time, one lap around. Uh, and, and a little anger kicked in. Just frustration seeing all the Giants fans down there so happy and, and chanting and, and all that. So, at the end of the day, though, guys, what a beautiful night it was at Kauffman Stadium. Starting before the game, I, I shed a minor tear in my eye hearing Home Sweet Home from Motley Crue, the, the, the beautiful video montage the Royals did, props to them, with highlights from the 85 team and, and this team and, and seeing that and it, being out there and on a cool night. And, and the Royals took this one down to as far as they could without winning it. Literally, game seven of the World Series in the bottom of the ninth. They played the entire game. They had a runner at third with two outs and two strikes in the bottom of the ninth. One hit away, one wild pitch, one error, one balk. Any of those things away from tying it or one home run away from winning it. Came as close as you could literally without winning it. And good grief, isn't that enough? Yes. But it still hurts. You wanted the World Series championship because while the future does look bright, and we'll talk about it all offseason here on Clubhouse Conversation, and we'll talk about moves and our opinion on different things, while the future does look bright and, and while the odds are good that the Royals could easily make it back to another World Series over the next, we'll say, one to four years, there's still no guarantee. It's a tough thing to make a World Series. Very tough thing. So many things have to go right. And we'll talk all about the goals going forward. I think, real quick, the goal for next year is to win the AL Central, to make sure that you're in the ALDS. That's the number one goal next year, of course, with the big one being a return trip to the World Series, hopefully finishing the job. All the experience the Royals got this year, all the fan support, 
all the memories. I mean, so much good happened. So, and and I, and I don't want to hear any of any talk like like the Baltimore Orioles players and fan base did, I and mean, we haven't. You know, there were excuses that we heard after the series. Oh, the Royals so lucky with all their broken bat bloops and somehow making these catches and small balling and running us to death. Well, they ran you to death, but well, not really even in that series. But they they knocked the cover off the ball, hit more home runs, pitched better, played better defense, and Baltimore's fans and, and players. I mean, we saw players like Caleb Joseph, a fringe backup catcher, making tweets about how, you know, basically mocking the Royals when they lost game one of the World Series. Really? You're sitting at home on the couch. You're going to be back in AAA next year, and you're sitting there mocking the Royals. You hear the players, Zach Britton, all series long making excuses. Buck Showalter never seemed to really give the credit, the fan base. But you know what was great tonight about the Royals? was 30 seconds after the game. The Let's Go Royals chant began. 30 seconds after. We, there were tears being shed. There were people dejected. There, there was hearts broken. There was anger. But a decent chunk of Royals fans were right back on their feet. They love this team, as they should. The city fell in love with this team, and the team fell in love with the city. And it was a beautiful thing, gosh dang it, over 2014. What a beautiful summer this was in Kansas City. There was no booing. There was no fights in the stands. None of that. No excuses for the most part. The Royals, gracious losers tonight. And they lost the series. I don't want to hear people say that, the, the, you know, that they're a better team. They're not. They lost. That's the bottom line. Do I think we could have won? Of course I think we could have won. Do I think we should have won? Possibly. You look back at game four now and ha- have some questions. and you know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the better team probably won. The best player in the field won the game which made that team the better team. Madison Bumgarner, no doubt, a World Series for the ages, rightfully earned that MVP. But this night made me proud to be a Royals fan. It made me proud of this city. And this team should feel the same way. And I'm sure they do. I'm sure that they know our appreciation, and I'm sure they feel it. It was just, I'm sorry to get cheesy, guys. I'm emotional tonight. It was a beautiful thing this year. Seeing the team fall in love with the city and vice versa, as I said. Now, tonight ended up being the exact score I predicted. I said last night it would be 3-2, to two, and I thought the Royals would win. Turned out being 3-2 to two San Francisco. That's the wrong way. And not really a ton of, of breakdown tonight. It's pretty basic. Both starting pitchers gave up the entire night's allotment of runs, and both bullpens were perfect. The problem was that Jeremy Guthrie gave up three runs, and Tim Hudson only two runs, although Guthrie was definitely better tonight. That Hudson and I thought Jeremy Guthrie had some bad luck tonight. We'll go through it here. I mean, both bullpens perfect. You look at the Royals tonight, five and two-thirds innings of shutout baseball for the Royals with nine Ks and no walks. Unbelievable. Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, one more time. Five and two-thirds, no walks, nine Ks, scattered four hits. The bullpen for San Francisco, which was Jeremy Affeld, Madison Bumgarner, seven and a third shutout. Four Ks, no walks, and three hits. Both bullpens were spectacular. Tim Hudson was not as good, I didn't think, as Jeremy Guthrie. I thought Jeremy Guthrie had some bad luck tonight. Just barely nicked Pablo Sandoval after a nice 1-2-3 first inning with Mike Moustakis making a great play. You felt so good after that top of the first. And I thought if the Royals held them to score on the top of the first, they'd win. I did think that. Didn't work out that way. But Guthrie, a great first inning. Comes out, gets Sandoval down 0-2, and nicks him. On a pitch inside, had a plan. You know, slightly missed where he wanted to put it, and that leads to a seeing-eye single by Pence. And, you know, inning and a half later, 
Another ball just out of the reach. Omar Infante falls down on one that would have been an out. Guthrie gets out of that fourth inning if that play is made. It's some bad luck for Jeremy Guthrie. And if, and if it's a regular season start, he's probably going six or seven innings, three or four runs, which is fine. It just stinks that it was game seven of the World Series. It stinks. Because Jeremy Guthrie gave it all he, all he had. And, and that's a guy I really admire. A number of these Royals. We could go through the whole roster and I could tell you stuff about why I admire each one of these. But Jeremy Guthrie, a, a really good season for the Royals. Eight up the innings, 200-plus innings, a leader in that clubhouse, a guy you can respect and admire, a guy I'm so glad is a part of this organization for at least one more year. It's too bad that he had to get an L by his name in the World Series in Game 7 because he probably deserved better than that. But that's just the way it is in Game 7 with both teams going to dominant relievers. So there were three plays tonight I want to talk about. Three plays that kept the Royals from pushing across the third run. Number one, the play of the, of the entire game, no doubt. The biggest play of the whole game. Bottom of the third inning. Lorenzo Cain singles off of Jeremy Affelt to get things going. Okay, good. Lead-off single. Beautiful, right? And then Eric Cosmer steps up, hits a ball back up the middle. It seemed destined for center field. It seemed destined for a first and third with nobody out. And Cain's going to make third on that play. I realized center fielder was playing shallow, and but, but Kane's going to third on that play. You have a first and third with nobody out, right? No. Joe Panic, the play of the World Series, in my opinion, at least in importance, cutting down a run. The Royals had some better plays defensively, but in importance-wise, the diving stop, the flip to Brandon Crawford for the out at second, a throwback to first, Eric Hosmer dove head first, which backfired. You run through the base, he's safe on that, but it's okay. I love the effort. He's rolled safe, obviously, originally, and it becomes overturned somehow in New York. Double play. Go from a first and third, nobody out to that. And, and that ball is six inches away from center field. Meanwhile, like I just mentioned, the Giants had a couple balls that just found holes, got through. And that's how it works. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to turn to the Baltimore Orioles here. But that's just uh, that's how it happened. That's fine. It's baseball. It happens. Then in the fifth inning, Omar Infante, the second play where the Royals had a chance to score three, or a second situation, I should say. Omar Infante, a leadoff single to right field off Madison Bumgarner. It wasn't that big. First to bat, bam, right, you know, a little looping liner to right field, drops in for a hit. And then Alcides Escobar comes up. I don't like the bunt. If there's a runner at second with nobody out against Bumgarner, yeah, bunt him all day. That's fine. Runner at first. In the fifth inning, I don't like the bunt from the start of that count, but I certainly don't like it after Escobar pulls the bat back and takes ball one and ball two. You got a 2-0 count, take a pitch and or swing away and or hit and run. I don't like the hit and run. It's risky. We'll take that off the table. It's the World Series. Although you can argue that what got the Royals here was the reckless abandon of the bases, the, the no fear, and they, and they kind of became pretty conservative throughout the World Series and the majority of the ALCS as well. So... And I understand the value of runners are a lot bigger in that situation, especially against a lefty and especially against Bumgarner. So I'm not saying steal there at all, but I'm just saying just play it straight up. You got speed. You've already hit into back-to-back double plays in the third and the fourth. I understand that. What are the odds you're going to hit into a third one, especially with Escobar running? Not good. Probably 10% he gets into a double play there. I don't like giving away an out there, burning a guy a second. Escobar's been hot all postseason. I mean, he's been he's been great all postseason, especially in the World Series. He hit three ten in the World Series, and that's in and he gives away an out there. I don't like that. I'd I'd rather take my chances of a first and third with him getting a knock or walking. And the counts two and zero. There's a decent chance he can draw a walk there, especially with Bumgarner's propensity to go up and and try to get hitters to swing at those pitches up, which the Royals did. 
Of course, you know what happens. He advances the runner, but then Nori Aoki, a trolley wire to left field. Of course, right at the left fielder, Perez. Second out, and Lorenzo Cain strikes out. No run. Last chance, bottom of the ninth, Alex Gordon, a two-out single. It's played into a three-base situation as Gregor Blanco gets charged with an error out there. And should Alex Gordon have gone? That's the question you've heard all night. Walking out of the stadium on social media, should Alex Gordon have gone? Should Mike Drishley have sent him? Probably not. Although, the time the play was live, I said yes, send him. The thing was, Alex Gordon was basically a step past third when Brandon Crawford caught the relay throw. If Brandon Crawford turns and makes a perfect throw, Alex Gordon's out by three or four steps of the plate. If Brandon Crawford bobbles, makes one offline throw, Buster Posey drops it, maybe it's a situation like Baltimore with a catcher, Gordon slides into the ball, maybe Posey illegally blocks the plate, there's probably a 30% chance Gordon scores there, my opinion. 30% chance he's sending me scores. I send him there. I would have live. But I've got no problem with it. Now that I look at the situation and think about it, I'm okay with the situation. I think it was the right situation. Although live, I'll admit that I wanted him, I wanted him sent there. But the odds were probably about the same either way. You know, Salvador Perez probably had a 25, 30% chance of getting a knock there or a wild pitch or something happening to score him. And that's about the same odds you had of Gordon scoring. So I'm fine with Jersh throwing up the stop sign. Again, a little conservative maybe, maybe. But it's freaking game seven of the World Series with two outs. So I'm not going to throw the conservative card. That's not fair. That was it. Because Salvador Perez, 2-2 count, pops out, Sandoval, and the offseason begins. The winner's here for the Royals. It's tough, guys. We wanted that world championship. We were so close. But at the end of the day, what a season for the Royals. And looking ahead to next year, and we'll talk plenty about it. We'll, we'll have... I would guess bi-weekly, weekly to bi-weekly updates here for dishes throughout the offseason. I will be having weekly interviews all winter long, so come here at least a couple times a week. You'll always find new interviews. Follow us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse. We'll tell you about the interviews. iTunes, you can subscribe. So bookmark us. Come back a couple, three times a week. Plenty of reasons to come back here. Interviews. When the Royals make big moves, we'll break them down here on the dish. But for the most part, that takes us to the offseason as far as the dish goes. I imagine we'll talk to you five to ten times on the dish. Right, ten times this offseason before spring training gets going. In summary, though, it's it's been a great, a great summer. Like I like I've said several times throughout this dish. There's not too much to add, except that it's just it's all about the memories and it's about the journey. It was about getting to where we are tonight. Being in a in a position to know what it feels like to lose a game seven, to have that heartbreak, you know? The heartbreak tonight, though, was a happy heartbreak because this team gave it all they had. They left everything on the field. This fan base got behind it. Things turned around. The culture's different here. This was a happy heartbreak. This wasn't This wasn't getting swept in a, in a key series in July or or losing 100 games or, or being eliminated after a horrific May. This is a different kind of heartbreak. Those are those are horrible heartbreaks. This to me was a happy heartbreak. It hurts. It it hurts. We wanted to win that game because again, you don't know when you'll get back. You think you'll get back over the next one to four, one to five years, but you never know. There's a lot of good teams in the American League. A lot of money with some of the teams like Boston and Texas and the Yankees and the Angels. I mean, there's even the Tigers. We know that, so we're gonna have to continue to just do the right thing. And I and I'm excited that Dayton Moore is staying. I believe in him. I want to give a big shout-out to Ned Yost, 
who was embattled the entire season since he's really since his second year here. There's things about Ned that do drive me nuts sometimes, the bunting mainly. At times, I'm, uh, maybe the pitching isn't handled the best, but overall, Ned Yost gets an A this year. I mean, what a job keeping this team together. What a job believing. What a job keeping the team level-headed. And, you know, and he's not getting all the credit. There's veteran leaders, your, your Shieldses and your Guthries and your Abanezes and Wilming, Willingham coming over and on and on and on. There's was, there was so many guys I would like to personally thank. You know, but the whole team, I, I want to thank them all. The whole organization, from Dayton Moore to J.J. Piccolo, Scott Sharp, Lonnie Goldberg, on and on and on and on. All the coaches up here and through the minor league system. All the prospects I got to talk to this year. All the current Royals I, to- I spoke with this year. All the guys who went out there any, at any level of the system and did their best to grow as an individual to help this team win. To put themselves in the position to move up the ladder, to, to, to further KC, to help a teammate. It, it, it's a proud thing. And, and it's indescribable how the Royals pulled this off. But at the end of the day, guys, you can't ask for much more. And let's, hope, let's, let's just hope that there's plenty of more days like this ahead, plenty more sunny days, because I think there is. And, and that can make you smile as we head towards Halloween and, and November and Thanksgiving and Christmas and the snow and ice, and you think about it. And, you know, and, and the hot stove will be starting soon. That's another good thing. Normally, Royals fans, as most teams in baseball, have been sitting at home for three or four weeks by now. But our offseason is starting now. And we're about, what, three to five weeks from things really getting going? So it's, it's going to be a shorter offseason than normal. That will help. So thanks again for listening to Clubhouse Conversation. We'll be back with you again soon throughout the offseason. Keep it here for all the interviews, and we will talk to you again soon. Opening day next year, we'll have our next in-game edition of Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night.